Hi everybody, welcome to Shaky Sports Journeys. Um, I have a familiar face on today's episode. Uh, this great man kindly gave me his time yesterday uh, to show me around the um, Pakistan Cricket Academy and I've had a great response from many people um, that, you know, the footage was, was was brilliant. Even some great banter with the legend Saklen Mushtaq. Got to meet another legend in Muhammad Yusuf. You know, very, very humbled. I'm, I'm joined today by Grant Bradburn again. How are you, sir? I'm great, thanks, Shaky. And uh, thank you very much for having me on. I've um, been following your podcasts and you're doing a great job, mate. So, so well done. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm honoured to uh, share some time with you and yeah, glad you enjoyed yesterday too. I know you've been to National High Performance Centre here uh, across the road, uh, but uh, yeah, just nice to be able to share uh, a little bit of that with your followers and um, and all my uh, friends and fellow cricketers uh, in Scotland, especially. So, yeah, hey, great, great to see you, mate, and um, yeah, really happy to share some time with you today. Really appreciate the grad. The feeling is very much mutual. Very humbled by by uh, the kindness that you've, you, you've given me and the, and the insight you've given me. Um, before we launch into talking about your journey, Grant, there was a big game of cricket in Pakistan yesterday that seen um, the the PSL final contested between Lahore Kalunders and the Karachi Kings, um, two big rival cities going head-to-head. Uh, Karachi chased down a quite a modest total that Lahore set. Um, how's the... How's the how's the response been over there? Um, and and also comments on you know we, we recently lost a, a great great man. Um, still still shocked of, of the passing of, of Dean Jones. He was he was yeah. full of life. Uh, but I think it was I seen a tweet that you sent. I, I think it was written in the stars that Karachi got over the line. Yeah, maybe maybe. And I think yeah, it was just a wonderful occasion uh, last night. And you know I think at the end of the day, Pakistan cricket was the winner. Uh, just for completing the PSL. You know, it's a strange concept, isn't it, to have such a break, you know, a break with COVID in the middle and then to bring teams back and to bring overseas players back, especially for, you know, just four games of the final uh, series, which all went, you know, so, so well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was just, I think everyone in Pakistan is, is really uh, just excited to see cricket back. Uh, we haven't yet got crowds uh, back into the stadiums, but... Uh, I think PCB are hopeful that that might uh, start in some form in the new year, hopefully with uh, South Africa coming. But um, yeah, I think it was, uh, I personally think it was pretty cool that uh, Karachi Kings got over the line. Uh, to be honest, from my point of view, I don't care who, who wins. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and in all of the teams, really, there's there's so many Pakistan players that you know, I've got so much time for uh, and have huge respect for as people and as players. So. Uh, I, w- I was there was no way I was going to uh, choose one team, uh, but I did think it was uh, really fitting that um, you know, Selman, the owner, and uh, and Wazim uh, Akram, you know, lifted the trophy and and very much acknowledged uh, the the amazing contribution to Pakistan cricket that uh, Dean Jones had made. So uh, that was that was really cool to see and and very touching, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, no, I- yeah, the, the game itself. I mean, uh, Baba again showed what Bubba does you know he just worked out um, the surface it was a bit of a tricky surface uh, by the looks you know it looked like it was sticking in the in the top a little bit and he quickly worked out you know that um, you know how to go chase uh, you know a, a modest total and um, yeah it was really 
really cool from our point of view, from Pakistan's point of view, to see him there at the end, you know, winning performance. There you go, guys, job done, nothing more to do. I've got this under control. And uh, that's kind of what we come to hope and expect from Baba Azam. Yeah, I mean, when he got given the captaincy recently, I had my I had my slight concerns that, you know, is it, is it the right time to give him the captaincy? We have so much burden on him already um, as, a, as a leading batsman for us, but he's taken it in his stride. I mean, that recent series with Zimbabwe, he did the same thing. He finished off games um, and he looks just made for it. So, you know, great, great, great signs for the future of Pakistani cricket. Congratulations to the Karachi Kings and, and as Grant said, you know, very fitting and a lovely tribute that they dedicated the trophy to the late late Dean Jones, and he he will be he will, he will be really missed. What a what a great character and what a fantastic cricketer. One of the best ODI batsmen I think of of all time. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he transformed. I think running between wickets was his was his um, signature, wasn't it? I mean, he was probably the first guy that um, you know turned blind and uh, for a purpose. You know, he he knew that there was two or three on before he turned. And he made the turning of running between wickets an art form in itself. You know, he was so fast, wasn't he? In and out. And just the way he was so aggressive, you know, um, you know he was one of the one of the first, wasn't he, uh, worldwide to, to really take um, the initiative to the bowlers and, and actually put them under pressure. So, uh, yeah, what a wonderful player. And, and yeah, in, in Pakistan, he's hugely respected for what he's done and what he's left. Um, as a legacy here in Pakistan, he was a, a good friend of Pakistan cricket, and he embraced the culture. He embraced all that Pakistan has to offer, all the wonderful things uh, on and off the park. So, yeah, he he will be missed. Yeah, you know, ab- absolutely, Grant, absolutely. Um, tell to me, I mean, you, you mentioned before we came on air today that you've already had quite a busy day. So, no, again, very kind of you, very kind of you to give me to give me this time. But tell me a little bit about your day so far. Uh, it's been uh, it's been full on actually. I, I didn't think it was going to be a um, a very busy day, but had, uh, as we often do at HCC, we just have these um, impromptu conversations. And uh, today it was Muhammad Yusuf uh, came in the came in the office with his bat, and I know I know when he walks in with his bat, he wants to talk about something, and he wants to challenge my my thinking about you know how we do this or that, and uh, you know who am I to challenge him? You know Muhammad Yusuf walks into your office, and my goodness, you know he. Um, he scored so many more test runs than me. So, uh, and Mohammed Zaid came in uh, as his interpreter because uh, Yusuf, I, I understand his language, and I always say to him, "Look, don't worry. I mean, cricket's got its own language. I, I yep. understand." And uh, but he, he he had something burning in his mind. He said, "No, no, no. I I, I bring Zaid. He needs to translate for me." And so, so what it was, he was he was. Uh, we had a convers- brief conversation yesterday about Pakistan. And um, and you know, the the beauty and the skills of Pakistan Zaman and um, and compared to Baba Azam and I posed him a question. I said, okay, both are coming in. You know, Pakistan Zaman's coming in. Um, what are you going to say to him? How, what are you? you know, what's your method in terms of coaching uh, Pakistan Zaman? And um, so we had a wonderful conversation about uh, playing late and how Pakistan does it and how Baba does it, how Yusuf used to do it. And we had a wonderful coaching conversation about just respecting the differences in players. And also something that we're very big on here is um, just uh, fostering uh, naturalness and fostering um, the strength. You know, so we're looking at strength rather than 
perhaps a traditional coaching method of being uh, a doctor who's looking to fix faults. So I want our coaches to be looking at players through different glasses. I want them to be looking at, wow, look at that strength that he's got. How can I build upon that to turn this player into one of the world's best? And so as you'll be aware, you know, Saka and Baba are two brilliant examples because they're polar you know, poles apart in terms yeah. of the way they the way they do it. Uh, and, you know, Baba's perhaps not a great example because he's clearly one of the world's best, you know. Uh, I, I believe, you know, he and Kane Williamson and Derek Foley are, you know, three absolute um, blessings for the world game, you know, to see those guys uh, playing cricket at the moment is, um, you know, they, they play, uh, yeah, and it just, they make it look so easy, don't they? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, some wonderful conversations there. Um, so that sort of turned into about an hour and a half of, you know, watching Yusuf play shots in my office, and I, I was thinking, man, I should be videoing this. You know, this is uh, this is work. You know, this is uh, this is awesome. And Zahid's uh, looking, and he's a fast bowler, of course, and he's he's chipping in and he's adding his his broken English, and it yeah. was a really cool conversation. And um, and then uh, Azam Mahmood popped in today, which was really cool. You know, he's been um, coaching with Multan and the PSL. Uh, and I've got a high, you know, high respect for Azza and I really enjoyed my time working in the national team with him as the bowling coach. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of laughs and um, we, we got on very well and aligned very well um, together with Mickey in terms of uh, his coaching philosophy. So really cool to, you know, just uh, nice to catch up with him and then, uh, of course, the guys are getting prepared to go to New Zealand. So, also had Mizza and uh, Shahid Aslam, who's the performance manager of the national team, you know, just pop in and, you know, they're just asking a few of the um, things about Mount Monganui, especially the venue for the first test and what that's going to be like and uh, any insights in terms of the Kiwis and, and also just how we're going to go about it, you know, um, how Pakistan are going to go about it. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's never boring. It's uh, It's always good and and now here I am uh, ha- having a coffee talking with you. So uh, it's, uh, life can't be better. <laughs> That's it. Uh, uh, you must pinch yourself. You must pinch yourself. You're, you're living and breathing cricket every single day. Uh, it's on your doorstep. And like you say, you've had to come up across to the coffee shop just to probably avoid whoever else was going to not chap your door and come in. But it's, it's, I mean, you, you, you obviously embrace it and you, you thoroughly enjoy it. Um, and, you know, great to hear Mohammed Yusuf and so on. Great to hear as well, Mohammed Yusuf is so enthusiastic about becoming the best best coach he can be. He was obviously a fantastic cricketer, one of the, the greatest Pakistan I've ever produced. So I'm excited to see where, where that journey goes. So we've touched on the PSL final. We've touched on your day-to-day grant, which was, you know, real really interesting. Um, but let's talk about you now. We've not done much about that. You know, that I, I wanna I wanna get to know, wanna really get to know you today, really get to hear a little bit more of your journey. And I'm going to start by saying, you know, you were born 26th of May, 1966. Um, you're still, a, you know, you're, you're a young pup. Um, and uh, you, were bo- you were born in uh, Hamilton, New Zealand. Hamilton's a place that I, I know well. I played a season over in Whangarei many, many years ago, which is not, 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 too, not too distant, I don't think. Um, tell me about life growing up in Hamilton. Yeah, Hamilton's uh, always been home, uh, and we actually now live just outside of Hamilton uh, in a little town called Cambridge. 
which is probably the co closest town in New Zealand to a Scottish town, a Scottish village. So it's kind of uh, about the size of Bridge of Allen, where we uh, where we live. So um, yeah, Hamilton's uh, always been home. Uh, you know, school there and brought up playing uh, cricket there for Northern Districts. Um, that was always my team. And uh, as a youngster, um, Dad played for Northern Districts. Uh, Dad also played for New Zealand too. Um, oh, wow. Played a couple of tests against South Africa uh, back in '64. Um, he was hit in the head first ball actually as an opener uh, by Peter Pollock, uh, Sean's dad. Uh, and back in those days, uh, Dad just uh, he said, "No, I just uh, straightened the cap a little bit and um, went to take guard." But there was a bit of blood, so had to go off uh, just to the sideline to get a little band-aid and. And carried on. So uh, they made them different. They made them different back then. They made them yeah. different. What was your what was your was your dad a batter then? Yeah, he was. He, he was an opening batsman and uh, very dour. Uh, he was a very solid opening batsman, and um, yeah, he uh, rated highly the uh, the leave and uh, and the forward defence. So you know, I was I was brought up in a um, in a cricketing family and um, my well sporting family really. My my sisters played uh, squash to representative level um mum played uh, hockey and netball and uh i played a lot of squash as well and and of course um you know we we followed dad around you know as he was playing cricket and then uh, mum and dad uh followed me around as as i was playing cricket and and coaching as well so um yeah very uh very fond memories of um you know family and and uh, unfortunately mum and dad passed away back in 2008 um, it was uh, really sad. Mum had a uh, she had cirrhosis of the liver, so she had uh, troubles health-wise for a little while, um, two or three years, and then uh, unfortunately, uh, or fortunately, uh, Dad uh, passed away at Mum's funeral. So he had a heart attack uh, on that evening, and oh um, so oh it was a very sad occasion for us. Um, but um, we always look at things. Um, from a positive viewpoint and you know we had one period of grieving and uh, also it was kind of kind of sweet you know that uh, mum and dad um, passed away kind of together you know at the at the same time or you know only five days apart but um, uh, you know it was almost like he died of a broken heart so uh, yeah in, in that way you know um, huge fond memories but um, certainly miss them every day and there's not a day goes by where I don't think about them and um, particularly with the journeys that we've been on as a family, you know, um, Scotland is a classic. You know, we we absolutely loved our time in Scotland, and we're so so privileged as a family to have that experience. And uh, we would have, um, you know, the the one thing that would have made it so much better is uh, if Mum and Dad were still around to you know to come and enjoy that with us. And uh, and also in Pakistan, you know, it would be. They would be uh, visiting here for sure. Uh, they would have visited, uh, and pro they probably would have moved to Scotland. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they would have been, um, you know, absolutely keen supporters um, of uh, Scottish cricket, and I'm sure they are up there. Listen, Grant, I'm sure Mum and Dad are looking down on you. Very, very proud of uh, of the man you've become, and you know. You're doing, you you you're doing, you've done fantastic things with yourself, and now, like you say, I'm sure they would have soaked up the culture of of Scotland and Pakistan, um, and it's you know it's 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 really it's really sad and it's sad to hear you know what to all you know, it was quite a quite a quite a hit for the Bradburn family. How many 
How many um, how many children were left behind then? Yeah, I've got two older sisters, and uh, and we're we're very very close, um, and uh, they've um, they've got a number of um, you know a number of nephews and nieces, and uh, uh, they've got kids now too. So we're we're a large family, and um, yeah, very close. And Marie, my wife's side, uh, other family, are very very close as well. So um, I'm extremely lucky, as we all are in, in cricket, to have. Um, supportive and understanding families you know that um, understand and respect what we do uh, takes us away from family you know a lot and uh, that's not the that's not the desired part of our job or, or the easy part of our job but um, it also you know um, Marie and I look at it as uh, a way to show our kids um, you know uh, the world and, and show our kids how important it is to to use your skills and also follow your dreams and try and turn your passion into a into a career and uh, and that's kind of what we've done and we've shown them uh, Scotland and you know they've they've had some amazing journeys uh, following Pakistan around as well and uh, and now they're kind of old enough to be off doing their own thing and you know our um, our attitude has always been to set them free and, and to give them that um, those opportunities to to follow their heart and follow their dreams. So we hope that you know what we're doing, and um, which is certainly not a conventional job, is um, is also showing them that it's important that that, that we do that as well you know, as a, as a couple. So, 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 so have the family been to Pakistan? Apologies, Jackie. No, no, you're fine. I can edit that out. So I just asked you there if um, have the family been to Pakistan? No, not yet. Not yet. Um, certainly hoping to to bring them. Um, obviously, at the moment with the COVID restrictions, it makes it difficult uh, because uh, not not so much getting here, um, but when uh, they go back home, uh, or when I go back home at the moment, um, we have to quarantine quarantine for two weeks so yeah uh, that makes it challenging you know for uh, getting out of school for Ella although I'm sure she wouldn't mind <laughs> but um, yeah we'll um, we'll definitely bring them here at some stage and uh, I'm really looking forward to you know uh, sharing uh, with them you know a little bit of the life here and uh, showing uh, our kids especially you know um, the, the life here and how wonderful you know um, Pakistan is and uh, hopefully getting to do a little bit of traveling too. Um, I don't know whether you've been up north, but I've yep, tasted a, yep. a little bit of um, uh, up north in the Kashmir and yep. uh, wow, it's um, it's a different world up there. It's uh, very similar to Queenstown at home. So, you know, all those things are, are really surprising to people that don't know Pakistan and um, yeah, but uh, are a wonderful part of Pakistan. So yeah, definitely would love to bring them here at some stage. Listen, that's that's a that's it's beautiful to hear. Um, very inspiring as well. You know, I'm inspired listening to you. You know, I'm on this on this journey with a great passion, and to hear you say that, you know, you would you encourage your children to follow their passion. Um, I think is I think is wonderful as parents, and I'm sure you are a fantastic role model for them, and they they're very proud of proud of their dad, and you've obviously got a very supportive wife as well who understands you being away from home. 
So you know, you're, you're blessed there, Grant, and um, you know it's it's it's, it's really lovely to hear that. Back to back to your playing days. Now, I was I was really impressed um, to do a bit more research on your actual cricket career of playing. Um, you know, you, you represented Northern Districts for 16 seasons. And, you know, you're obviously a very, very loyal cricketer as well. You know, you, 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 you know that's, that's, a, that's some amount of service you offered, um, offered the, great, the great side there. Is, is, is it just, is, you, must have, you must have loved all 16 seasons. I mean, you could, you, I'm sure you had ups and downs, but talk to me about those 16 seasons. Yeah, um, I look back now and, and realise as a, as a coach, um, and I'm a far better coach than I was a player, I, I believe. But as a coach, I now look back and, and kind of anal analyse myself as a player and realise that I was a very, very limited player uh, who, who perhaps got, the very, um, got every ounce out of uh, the little skill that I had. And um, I guess um, my traits... Uh, came from my family upbringing that I worked hard at my game um, and you know I was, I was really conscious of, um, of putting the hard yards in and, and working for everything that you got. Um, Dad always had a wonderful saying that you know nothing worthwhile comes easy and you've always got to earn uh, your success and uh, even in my 16th season you know he would say the same thing you know, you've got to earn your spot on this team. You know, don't take for granted that you're going to be picked this year. And he always uh, reminded me that um, going out and scoring runs and taking wickets at club level uh, initially was the way to getting into your regional team. And then again, you must earn your right there, earn your stripes, score runs, take wickets, and then you'll earn the right to, to play in that Northern District team again. So every season that he used to... Uh, bore me with that uh, that saying but it was it was a wonderful uh, reminder for me and um, look, I, I didn't uh, I wasn't good enough to uh, play uh, for any length of time for New Zealand uh, but I was certainly uh, very proud of uh, making that side uh, when I did I first uh, toured actually first toured Pakistan in uh, 1990 and I was pro at Fleetwood then uh, down in the Northern League in Lancashire and I was out on the roller, and um, Cliff Sampson, the, the chairman uh, at that time, he came and he was waving me off the roller, and I, was, I thought I was in some sort of strife. But uh, anyway, he uh, got me off the roller and said, look, there's some, there's some bloke, uh, Turner or something, some Glenn Turner or something, he's on the phone for you, he's from New Zealand. So uh, anyway, I went in and spoke to um, you know, what to me was like uh, Sir Mr. Turner, because... Not only has he got the same birthday as me, uh, but he was my one of my idols. Uh, and of course, he was the, the convener of selectors. And uh, he was ringing to say that I was on the, in the team to go to Pakistan. So, uh, yeah, I still remember remember that day vividly and very, very proud of uh, obviously playing for my country. And, uh, but yeah, I wasn't good enough to, to hold my spot for long enough. And, Probably looking back, I, I was a bits and pieces player. I was a good fielder, I was a good bowler, and I was a good batter. But uh, I wasn't great at any one of those, you know, and um, I probably didn't specialise maybe early enough to, to really command a, a place either at the top of the order or as a, as a spinning all-rounder who played a role at the, at the bottom uh, or middle, middle order. And um, probably right throughout my career, uh, you know, um, I always 
enjoyed uh, scoring runs more than taking wickets. So I was always keen to get up the order and I opened for a number of seasons, batted three, four, five, six, batted everywhere for Northern District. Uh, but probably looking back, you know, that was that might have been my downfall too. I didn't um, didn't specialise and, and really nail a spot when I had that opportunity. So I played uh, back in 1990 for New Zealand against Pakistan, went to Australia uh, for the VD series as it was back then, tri-series against uh, England and Australia, played a little bit there and then came home and played a little bit against uh, Sri Lanka and um, when Martin Pro scored 299, so I played, played that, uh, that test in Wellington and then didn't play again uh, until uh, until the year 2000. So I played for a long time, but yep. not much in between. So um, again, I was, I was really, really proud to make a comeback. Um, Richard Hadley was the selector then and he called me back into the side to go to Sri Lanka and also play at home against Pakistan. Um, and uh, at that stage, I'd kind of worked my game out a little bit. You know, I'd, um, I'd really uh, perhaps decided, you know, what I was going to be. And uh, my, my style was uh, a little bit you know, more defined. I'd, I just got a bit more mature. And I think looking back, you know, I didn't really know my game at all in 1990. And uh, probably wasted a lot of those 16 years playing for Northern District, you know, not really specialising. So... Uh, those are all good experiences, though, and, and for me as a coach now, you know, that, that really helps me uh, having that hands-on experience to, to really, um, you know, to really instill in players, you know, when they walk into this environment or in the Scotland environment, you know, it was, it was always my, my attitude to say, look, this is your time, you know, your time is now, you know, uh, if not now, when, uh, and, and really challenge players to, to really define themselves, you know, what is what is your goal? You know, what is your super strength that's going to make you one of the world's best players now? You know, don't don't wait. You know, just just you know, have the confidence to go out there and show your skills. You've got amazing skills. Don't leave them in the net. You know, go and go and show those skills. And kind of that attitude, I think, um, all stemmed from my own experiences. You know, of um, of just probably not being good enough and maybe not specialising uh, early enough. So, uh, yeah, it's, it, they're all wonderful experiences that I wouldn't change. Um, you know, wouldn't necessarily change, and there's not, not necessarily any regrets either because we had some amazing um, times with Northern Districts, getting back to Northern Districts. You know, we, we won a lot back then. You know, we had a, had a wonderful team. And, um, you know, growing up um, in the same dressing room with uh, David White, who's now... Uh, New Zealand CEO and, and the likes of um, uh, Simon Dool, you know, coming coming through those ranks, Shane Thompson. We had some some very very good players uh, around at the time uh, who I learned from. You know, early on, Jeff House was uh, was in our side, first captain. Uh, Lance Cairns, I learned so much from Lance. Um, you know, he was a, he's a wonderful man, and he knows the game so so well. And you know, I learned so much from uh, just being in the dressing room and listening to him. Uh, and then Chris Cairns came through into our team uh, around that time when I was just coming through as well. And so we were very lucky. You know, we were shown by the, the older guys just how to win cricket, how to win games. Uh, and um, that, that was you know, something that uh, I'm blessed with now to, to really also have a, as a coaching philosophy that winning performance is key. 
you know, I don't look at runs, wickets, averages or aggregates. I, I just look at players and, and I analyse how many times has that guy moved the game in our favour. You know, and, and so that all sort of stems from that type of chat being in our dressing room when Lance Cairns was around. You know, he was such a wonderful man. You know, he, he didn't care about, um, about looking, it looking good. He just, you know, cared about the situation. Go and win that situation, you know. Go and, and here, take the ball, do this for me. Get, give me some water. You know, or mm-hmm. it, just, it just had a wonderful way of inspiring me. So, um, yeah, really, really cool upbringing. And, you know, we were really lucky to, to win a lot. And then, you know, uh, post my career, um, I uh, went into, uh, well, throughout my career, I always coached. And um, so, you know, coaching was something that was a passion. It wasn't wasn't just a job. Um, it was something that I really loved, and I've always loved uh, helping people be as good as they can be. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think that's important as a coach too. Yeah, um, coaches, you know, we're we're really teachers, and you kind of either got that or you or you haven't. You know, there's certain things within that uh, within a coach that I don't think you can learn. You know, you just you just have to have that passion for it and passion for wanting other people to get better. Uh, so, um, you know, I coached for a while, but also uh, I had a, had a really good uh, relationship with Billy Bowden, the umpire. Yes. Uh, as a, the crooked as a finger. The yeah, crooked, crooked finger. finger like mine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we were good mates, um, and he was umpiring, and as a player, we were good mates. And Billy was a, uh, a sports retailer by trade, so he had a, a sports shop up in Oriwa, north of Auckland. And uh, when I was doing some coaching around the schools, he said, hey, um, Biggs, you know, wh- why don't you just sell a bit of stuff on, on our behalf? I'll give you a little bag as you're going around the schools and you can sell some playground balls and netballs and rugby balls and a bit of cricket gear. And I did that for a while and it went well. So um, uh, Billy said, well, hey, look, let's open a shop in Hamilton, which we did. And uh, I worked for him for about three and a half years while I was playing as well. And uh, it was wonderful, wonderful opportunity to, you know, um, while I was still in my playing career, to learn some other skills, you know, just um, to learn the ins and outs of retailing and wholesaling and uh, selling and customer relations. And it was, it was so good, you know, dealing with staff uh, was brilliant. And then, um, then after about three and a half years, uh, Billy was keen for me to invest in the business and I was keen too. So. Uh, but then an opportunity came up at the cricket ground in, in Hamilton, actually, uh, to open up a little pro shop on the side of the ground. So uh, we opened up a shop there, which we had for 13 years. And Billy was, he was a bit of a pain in the ass by then. So I just uh, I said, Billy, look, you do your thing up there and, and I'll do mine. So he was, he was more than happy with that. And uh, so I ran my own shop um, for 13 years until... Uh, a year after I took the Scotland job. So when I initially took the Scotland job, we still had the shop as well. And I had staff running it for me for the first uh, six months of the Scotland role. Um, but I, I, we wanted to enjoy Scotland. And we didn't want to be, you know, getting home eight or nine o'clock at night and then having another job to tend to, you know, during the um, during the hours of, of evening. So uh, we, we sold the shop at that stage, which was great. And, and it enabled us to really focus on enjoying that opportunity and delving uh, right into the opportunity in, in Scotland too. Yeah, so that brings us then 
Um, just just for the just for the viewers, you you coached. Um, you started as a Northern Districts A team coach. You did New Zealand under 19s. Um, uh, uh, the man that gave me my kindly gave me my debut for Scotland, Andy Moles, got offered the New Zealand job, which then seen you take the main role as Northern Districts head coach. That obviously got the attention when you interviewed for a. Uh, for the role for the for the cricket Scotland role, um, and you were offered the job, and over you came to sunny Scotland. Um, your crazy Grant don't know what you were thinking. Um, and, and, and April two thousand and fourteen, um, we you know we at, at the time, um, you know we were we were we were in a bit of a you know we were going okay. I think we 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 qualified um, over in New Zealand and played some really good cricket, um, and in particular the man that you were going to work closely with as your captain, Preston Momsen, had a fantastic tournament. Um, and that seen us qualify for the 2015 World Cup. So you were coming into the role with something quite exciting on the horizon. But tell me, um, tell me about just early days, getting offered the job. You came over with your with the, all your family. It was I, th I believe you've got three children or is it four children, Grant? Yeah, three kids. Yeah. Three children. I think your boy actually... Played a bit, of, played a bit of cricket for Stirling County, if I'm right in saying. Yeah, he, he ended up playing for Scotland A actually. And that's right. Yeah, that's right. In the 19 squad, so Tom's a Tom's a very keen cricketer. Still is. He just started his season back home. So, um, but it was a wonderful time for all of the family. Yeah, it's a very privileged time. And um, yeah, right, rightly or wrongly, you know, throughout my uh, coaching career, I've always always said kind of at the start of my tenure that. Um, you know, four or five years in the role is enough and, and you need to be either moving on to a new role or reinventing yourself as a coach and keep developing and keep bringing some, uh, some, something new to the role. So uh, after four or five years of uh, finishing playing, I then uh, you know, got seriously into coaching and uh, with, uh, when I was coaching the A's and then ended up coaching Northern Districts and we had a very, very successful time and... Um, we're blessed to have a, a wonderful um, team uh, at that stage. Uh, Kane Williamson debuted uh, during that time. We had uh, Corey Anderson, uh, Ian Doty, Tim Salvey, BJ Watling, Daniel Flynn, um, Trent Bolt. So we had a, a very, very strong side, and we won a lot um, during that five years. You know, four, four titles in five years was um, a really successful time, and we had, you know, for me, it was a, a really rich learning experience. Um, but I always felt that it was a bit comfortable for me because uh, having played 16 years for Northern Districts, uh, Dad played with Northern Districts, I coached Northern Districts, and uh, I knew, I kind of sensed myself that um, if I was going to go down this route of, of really pursuing this passion of coaching, I needed to broaden my experiences too. So one day uh, I just left that role. Uh, and uh, went home and said to Maria, I said, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've resigned. And you know, still had the, the shop, so I was going to, planning just to, you know, go back into the shop. And But I've always, I've always believed that, you know, when you close one door, then other doors are already open that you just haven't seen. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, within a couple of days, I then um, had two more jobs. Um, so John Buchanan uh, was the director of cricket. New Zealand at that time, uh, he rang me up and said, look, I, I want you to take the under-19 to a World Cup in Dubai. And uh, at the same time during this year, we've got two, 
two tours for the A team uh, to Sri Lanka and India, uh, and Ethi to come and head coach those. And so that was a great opportunity for one year. And again, after that, or as that one year was closing, um, I was very relaxed. You know, I, I knew it was a wonderful coaching experience that I'd had, uh, but I just uh, kind of grew uh, a confidence that, um, look, other doors will open and these experiences will, will serve me well. And then I saw the opportunity to apply for Scotland, which I did. Um, I got, had to get up in the middle of the night. It was about 11.30 in the night. Um, so I had a shirt and tie on and then my boxer shorts. Uh, <laughs> um, being interviewed by Andy Kennan. And um, Andy and I just kind of clicked. You know, I, I sensed even then, you know, right from the first outset of the... Um, of the interview that, you know, there was a real alignment. Um, of course, I'd done my homework and I knew uh, that Scotland had qualified and I knew the opportunities that were there, some of the players. Um, but just asking Andy a few of the questions around what their uh, values were and, you know, what their ambitions were, uh, that inspired me to be, to be part of that. And um, I think the feeling was mutual. You know, I've got a lot of respect for Andy keep in touch with him now and um, you know I learned a lot from Andy during my time um, working under him as the director of cricket and working with him um, as a selector and uh, yeah he taught me a lot and um, yeah the rest is history you rang me back um, next morning and I said to Marie when I got finally got to bed about 1 1 30 I said well it's um, yeah it went pretty well but who knows you know let's let's see and um, and then the next day, Marie had been off to work quite early. You know, we also had a, a little coffee van that we ran as well. And she was working in the coffee van. Uh, so I just went up and saw her where she was parked up and um, uh, having a coffee. And I said, oh, how, how would you like to go to Scotland? And um, so and she was like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, why not? So I'd had a call from Andy that morning and just say, hey, look, um, we, we really want you to come on board. So it was... Um, yeah, for me, it was a, a dream come true in terms of uh, another, a real challenge from a coaching point of view to walk into an environment for the first time where I had no idea of the players. I hadn't been to Scotland before, didn't know the, um, uh, yeah, didn't know the players, didn't know the, you know, the ins and outs of Cricket Scotland. So it was a great opportunity for me to, to learn and walk into an environment where you have to have empathy for what's worked in this environment. Uh, what's the culture, who are the people, how do we get the best out of this team? And so that was a really rich experience for me. Um, but for, from a, from a um, family perspective, you know, Marie and I instantly knew, because we've always had this attitude that we, we need to challenge our kids. You know, we need to, we were, you know, we were living in a, in a beautiful environment, um, you know, a, a, we had a lovely big house, four and a half acres, kids were happy, uh, they had all the bells and whistles and um, yeah, they were going nice hills and great friends and everything. We, had, we did too. Uh, but we knew that life was comfortable and this, this isn't all life's about. You know, we need to experience other parts of the world to really embrace uh, our kids and, and kind of show them that there's a new world out there as well and um, new adventures to be had. And uh, so we took the brave move of taking our kids out of that comfort zone, out of their school environments, out of their friend circles, and bringing them to Scotland, and they all embraced that uh, really well. 
and we had friends that were you know uh, skeptical we had friends that said oh you're mad you know this is going to be so tough for the kids uh but i think you know you could ask all the kids individually now you know how valuable it's been for them and they would without doubt you know saying it's part, you know one of the coolest parts of their life you know um and it will be forever um yeah there's we all miss home we all miss new zealand and parts of it um but we all embraced you know what scotland had to offer and the opportunities that were there and it was really interesting for us um for Marie and i that when we came home uh on occasion you know we'd bring all the family home back to new zealand and we'd spend a few weeks at home over christmas or whatever catch up with all the family and friends and have a wonderful time then we get back to scotland and all of a sudden Marie and i would look at each other and go wow this this household's changed you know they these kids are happy you know they're yeah <laughs> which you know it's not easy as parents to keep them happy but what we realized is that they were getting back home they realized kids were just doing the same stuff um that some of them had gone backwards the friends were still there mm-hmm. uh home was still home but here they were they all of a sudden the penny dropped you know they had this amazing opportunity to live and breathe and be in a place like Scotland and develop new friends, see new things, experience new things, live together as a family uh and yeah, they really appreciated that once they saw that well, New Zealand's still New Zealand, you know. It's yeah. little old New Zealand, it's only tiny, you know. The opportunities there are, are small. I mean, everyone loves New Zealand, yeah, it's a nice clean green place, but opportunities are, are minimal, you know. It's 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 small. You can't you know, you can't go jump on the train and go to Edinburgh or Glasgow and experience what it's got. So, yeah, those those things, Shaky, were um, you know, money can't buy those those experiences that we've given uh, yeah, Tom and Ella. You know, they all uh, have grown so much. You know, in, in terms of that that opportunity in Scotland, and I will always be indebted to to Andy and Cricket Scotland for giving us that opportunity. You know, it's um. It really will always be, uh, you know, a really rich part of our lives, and uh, and I'm not talking money terms, you know, just in terms of what it's offered us um, as a family. Well, I'll echo that. Big shout out to Andy Tennant. Um, had the pleasure of playing under Andy's uh, coaching from a very young age, um, and I can echo what you're saying. He's a he's a he's a, he comes from a he hails from a place called Presswick, which is at the back end of nowhere. Um, but but he's uh he's uh, he's 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 really done a lot for for cricket Scotland, um, and now he's uh, now he's now he's involved in hockey, which I n- I've never ever got the chance to talk to him about that because I don't know what Andy knows about hockey, but he must be doing some he must be doing something right. Um, now talking about your actual squad, now I know all of the guys personally that you came in to to coach a lot of lot of great cricketers to name a few you know Kyle Kutzer. Fantastic cricketer, Preston Momsen, um, you know, players of the likes of Majid Hack, off spinner, very talented. And then you had a real um couple of, I mean, I think the boy uh, Michael Leesk is a is a, is a is a really talented boy. And 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 since you take took over the job, I think you unearthed a couple of more great talents, i.e. the likes of George Munsey, um, who, who who came through as well. How did you feel when you when you walked in and you had your first couple of sessions and, and you know, did you, you knew, you knew a World Cup was on the horizon. Were you going back to your house and thinking we're doomed or were you thinking, you know, these boys can play? I always uh, felt that these boys can play. 
always felt uh, felt that. And uh, the timing the timing of uh, my visit to Scotland, you know, I'm also indebted uh, to that. I mean, I think uh, good coaches also uh, get things right in terms of their timing of their tenure. And uh, it was, you know, a, a wonderful time uh, for me in terms of, you know, initially taking on a, uh, a team with experienced players uh, of the likes you, you've mentioned there. You know, Ian Wardlaw, uh, again, was another one. Rob Taylor as well uh, at that time, you know, potentially for Scotland anyway, uh, kind of at their peak uh, or peaking uh, mm-hmm. towards um, being a, a really strong unit. So, uh, you know, that, that side was uh, difficult to pick, um, but not as difficult as I would have liked. Uh, and what I mean by that was, is I quickly realised that we had some good players. Uh, we uh, didn't have enough players. We didn't have enough depth uh, because there was complacency in a, in a lot of those players as well uh, because there was no challenge for positions in a, in a lot of positions. So I quickly realised that we needed to build that depth uh, to build the... Um, not the pride for playing for Scotland. That was uh, wow. I was I was blown away with how how proud everyone is to um, to don the thistle and you know to to play for Scotland. That that was a wonderful part. Uh, but there was just a uh, an acceptance which didn't wash with me, and I've got a feeling that that's why Andy uh, uh, related to me as well. That um, I don't uh, I don't like to come second. And you know I'm I'm used to um, I don't mind losing, uh, but um, I don't uh, tolerate the attitude of accepting losing. Mm-hmm. And one of my mantras is continual improvement. And in fact, it's it's part of my selection philosophy uh, that you must. I believe in kaizen, so the the Japanese philosophy of uh, never doing things the same and expecting a different result. So if your result is the same, so with Scotland always coming second or not quite winning or just having some amazing almost victories, uh, that that was evident right from the outset that there was a little bit of a culture of that. And I knew that I had to take some time to, uh, to really understand the environment first to then work out how we were going to shift that culture. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, and it really took me, or it took us, I should say, it, it, you know, definitely what I consider the, the success in Scotland um, is, is only down to the team that we had around us, players first. Um, you know, we had some amazing players, you know, like uh, the likes of Preston and Kyle and Tom DeLanger, you know, just uh, three wonderful human beings three wonderful players and three people who I relied on heavily to drive a lot of the change that we wanted to drive. But, you know, the, the whole Cricket Scotland staff at the time, um, Malcolm Cannon, who I who I worked under for a great deal of time, Andy Tennant, uh, Craig Wright, um, Simon Smith, oh my goodness, you know, what a gem of a person, uh, what an amazing uh, performance uh, manager, what an amazing trainer. Uh, Toby Bailey, brilliant. Murray McPhail, amazing. Uh, and together, we were just so lucky that we had a real connection and an understanding of uh, 
how we needed to go about shifting this environment. So uh, initially, I know you wanted to you know, touch on the World Cup, which you said. Um, initially, you know, we weren't happy with results, of course. You know, we, we wanted to go there. We we're expecting to win uh, mm -hmm. at least one game. Uh, and we felt, uh, felt we should have won um, at least one game. And coming away from the World Cup, only added to the pile of almost victories for Scotland, which uh, we then used, uh, which I'll talk to you about in a minute, we then used uh, in a way to inspire change. Uh, but, you know, the World Cup, the Afghanistan game still haunts, um, as it does, I'm sure, uh, most of our players and staff, uh, that they showed their uh, guts and determination not to lose to us. Um, there was no, no way that they wanted to lose to us. And uh, they showed their class and their and their um, their fighting spirit that the Khans have. And yes. I, I now understand, you know, having having uh, lived here and been involved in this environment, how strong the Khans are. My goodness, you know. Uh, and for people that don't know, um, the Khans are not Afghani or Pakistani. They are Khans. That is the area that covers both countries. And the Khans are strong. Uh, physically, and they are so strong-minded, and they are wonderful human beings. And um, very straight talking, very uh, straight talking. I love them. I love them. And you know, Shahina Freddy, uh, Muhammad Rizwan, Bakr Zaman, Yasser Shah. Uh, man, uh, you know the the team is now full of Pakistanis. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful people. So I now understand a little bit more about Afghanis and how wonderfully strong-minded, strong-willed they are. And that's why, you know, they're always a tough team to beat. Um, Pakistan struggled to beat them in the World Cup. Man, yep. if, it, if it wasn't for Imad Wazin and um, Wahab Riaz with a bat at the end, man, they would have turned us over at the World Cup. So, um, yeah, really amazing people. So anyway, um, that was only one game at the World Cup, but we of course had others that we, sh we should have got over the line against Bangladesh. Uh, Kyle played out of his skin. Uh, what a knock, what a knock. Got to be the, it's, I mean, obviously there's been a few since, Callum McLeod, we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. But I remember I was in Pakistan, Grant. I was actually in Pakistan, I was watching the game. I was in, a, I was in an army base that my friend had taken me to because we could get the, get the TV there. He had, a, he had a friend in the army base that was going to let us come in and watch the game. And that was, I mean, he was just in another, he was in another place. He was just playing the Bangladeshi spinners. In particular, I remember him hitting inside out over extra. And, and, you know, Kyle's exactly the same age as me. I've grown up with him. And to see him doing that on that stage was just fantastic. But tell me about your, tell me about what your, what your thoughts were as coach that day. Yeah, a really um, amazing innings. And uh, I think it was a, it was a turning point for, for Kyle. Um, you know, we we had some. Uh, you know, I've got so much respect for Kyle and, and keep in touch with him a lot now. You know, I've learned a lot from him. Uh, I've learned a lot from Preston Momsen as well. Um, I've learned that he doesn't bring his wallet when it comes to going out for a coffee. Difficult South African. <laughs> Difficult South African. Yeah, he, uh, he had a wonderful um, rendition of the haka eh, when we um, went to pay. Uh, Sorry, sorry, coach. Um, <laughs> but in, no, in all seriousness, wonderful man, and um, he did so much for the team, uh, as did Condelanger. You know, uh, wonderful, wonderful human being. 
Um, but Kyle, um, you know, we had some challenging times too. Uh, I don't know whether you're aware that, and I'm sure Kyle won't mind me sharing that, you know, leading into the T20 qualifier in Ireland, um, when Kyle was sort of drifting uh, or cementing a spot, spot in Durham from um, from North Ants, uh, he, he for me was no third in our team. Uh, although he was captain in, in some formats, um, uh, he was no third in the T20 team. I, I felt that our T20 team had moved on significantly. And as a coach, I, I, one of the key measures for me in batting is, is Basra. I don't look at strike rate uh, only. I look at strike rate plus average. And if you look at the best players in the world right now, it's about 180 is the combination of strike rate and average. And um, that's the same whether you open the batting or whether you bat 8, 9 or 10. It should be 180. Uh, and Kyle's was, was very low. You know, it was, uh, it was one sort of 25, 130 and just wasn't uh, good enough. And Kyle had spoken to me. He said, look, you know, in the past I've been asked to, you know, anchor the team and I need to bat through. That's why my, my rate is low. But, you know, we had some amazing players. You know, Matt Machen was still um, playing with us then and, uh, we, we set him free, you know, we just go and play. At least he was coming through and, and dominating. Um, Craig Wallace was even coming on the scene and, and playing, you know, it, it really expressing himself. And George, of course, was um, was bursting on the scene with these uh, really uh, confident skills that he was prepared to bring to the middle as well, which we loved. And so I just said to Kyle, look, we don't need anyone to anchor the innings. We need to be dynamic, and that's how we're going to uh, win games of cricket for Scotland. Uh, we're not going to win playing cautiously, so I need you to be striking and averaging at least 160 plus. As it turned out, you know he he made the team uh, for Ireland and that um, World Cup qualifier, which we won. And um, his I think combined strike rate and average was 200. Wow. And yeah, he just turned a corner. He embraced what we were wanting in him, um, and it was, it was always just wanting the best out of him. And like all the players, I said to Kyle, you've got some amazing skills. You have got shots that no one else can play. Go and have that freedom. You have the backing from us to take the attack to the bowlers. And that's what we took. That's one of the changes that we made. And we gave all the, all the players that freedom. But we had to challenge them uh, to keep doing that uh, at times as well. You know, uh, Callum and George, um, you know, were guilty at times of not playing uh, to the freedom that we wanted them to play with, and that the team needed to win, and uh, playing too cautiously. And we, we really worked hard to give them the confidence, but also give them a little bit of bamboo at times to make sure that they were taking their skills into the middle, not just showing them in the nets. Take your skills in the middle and express yourself. Uh, that's how we're going to win. We're not comfortable coming second. And you know, it took us a while to shift that attitude. In fact, it, it, it took till 2016 to, to shift that attitude. Couple more points. Just I wanted to one of the one of the, the it's fascinating to listen to you there, Grant. And 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 I can now see where this why this led on to some of the things that Scotland did um, on a cricket field before your before your time ended. And we, we will get to that. That's that, that's the grand that's the grand finale. Um, you know, another player. That I think came on leaps and bounds under you, um, Richie Berrington. Um, you know, I, I remember fondly watching the New Zealand game. Um, Trent Bolt ran through the top order, um, and Matt Machen and Richie Berrington dug us out of a hole 
and actually managed to counter-attack New Zealand. Both, I was just so frustrated that day watching that game because both brought up 50s and then they both got out and it was like, you know, because if they'd gone a little bit further that day and, and just, I mean, New Zealand didn't chase that didn't chase it very comfortably. If we put a few more, you know, were, were they moments that you spoke about after the tournament where you said, you know, they're the little finding at the top level. It's, it's the little defining moments like that. I mean, if they were just, they'd done all the hard work, if they'd been able to deliver another 30, 40, or one goes on to score 100, Scotland turned over New Zealand that day, I think. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Shaky. And uh, my philosophy was always to point the finger at those that got in, not those, those that didn't. So in my mind, you, you look at any scorecard in the world, any format, even today, you know, you will, you will see that in a batting order, probably only two or three players get in, you know, so uh, it's, it's, a, it's a tough game so that more often than not, you know, we, we, don't, um, we don't get a start and we don't get a score. So even the best players in the world, you know, they, they pass 50, you know, one in four times, one in five times, you know, for the very best in the world. So. For us, uh, mere mortals, you know, it's it's one in ten times maybe we get past fifty or or get a score. So that's why I um, once you're in, you know, once you're in, you respect. I, I always encourage the players, you know, to respect three things. You know, you, so you walk into bat, you turn around, you look at the scoreboard, and you play accordingly. You look at the conditions, and you play accordingly. You look at the bowling attack, and you play accordingly. And you play for the team. Uh, it's it, it's about the team, and uh, so find your find your way. Once you get in, once you get in, then you plateau and find your way. Whatever's working today, whatever your shots are, stay with those until the job is done. And you know we were guilty in that World Cup a number of times of of not finishing the job. And um, I think you know Quail's uh, seventy against England was another example where he got a bit of bamboo for that. And uh, I, I said to him, look, Kyle, you know, you, you had that game in the palm of your hand. You know, that, that game was, was sitting there uh, for you to take that away from England. You know, we could have beaten England that day. And I think it was a, um, you know, Kyle played beautifully. He played brilliantly. And it was a, a big occasion for us all. You know, um, there was a massive crowd at Hagley Oval. It was a big game, of course, England-Scotland. And, you know, we there was times in that game where the, the door of victory was ajar. Mm -hmm. And typically what happened for us that we were either not skilled enough or not confident enough to go through mm -hmm. and do what it takes to take that game away from the opposition. And that was one of about 11 examples that... Uh, I presented to the guys in 2016, uh, where you know, the, the door of victory was there, and and Kyle uh, didn't um, you know have the game sense to actually or the confidence to actually believe that you know, I'm in, I'm in. Yep. So yeah, I don't care whether this is uh, the the Western Warriors attack that I'm facing, or in this case it's England. Mm -hmm. I'm going to finish this job, and I'm mm -hmm. going to walk off saying, "There you go, boys. Not out. Nothing more to do. I've got this." Because he should know that you know the four or five of his um, batting lineup are not going to get in on that day. That's just the way cricket works. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's kind of an insight into the philosophy. And of course, as a coach, you give that 
our message in a very respectful way. You know, I, I, you know Kyle has some amazing skills that I never had as a player, and I, I respect him hugely as a as a as a friend and a human being and a uh, and a player and a, and a, latterly as a captain uh, and and now a coach and a, and a father. You know, he's a wonderful human being. So to give that message in a way uh, that I'm look, I'm wanting you I'm wanting you to be better, and I'm wanting you to understand that. Your time is now. You are coming into the prime of your life as you as he took that contract in, in Durham. This is the prime. He's still in the prime of his life. He's playing amazingly well. Yeah. As he showed in the last few years for Scotland. Uh, and um, I I think I sense that it it took some of those hard conversations to give him the confidence to go. Why not? Yeah. Why not? I'm now going to take these bowlers on. Uh-huh. And and the way he plays now is quite drastically different to the way he he started playing. You know when I um, when I came on board, and and that was the same for a lot of players. You know Richie was a little bit the same. Um, you know Richie again, you know wonderful wonderful human being, wonderful person, um, and again huge respect for him. And uh, and as a player, wow, you know I, I don't think there's many better players that spin in the world. And I, I love watching him uh, in action um, against Spin, especially. And you know, just giving him the confidence. Um, you know, Richie's a different person to Kyle, to, to everyone. You know, uh, they're all academies of one. And that's the way that we, we as a staff, that's the way we treated them. All academies of one. We need to understand the person to get the best out of them. And at times, uh, I think we got the best out of Richie, too. Brilliant, brilliant. I love your philosophies, Grant. Um, you know, it's uh, it's not all it's not all uh, it's not all fun and games when you're a coach. You know, you need to have the the tough conversations. But uh, uh, you know, you challenge. You sound like you really challenge people in the right way. You talked about it at the start in relation to your coaches that you're working with out there, and you know, changing the mindset. And it's 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 fascinating. Now, coming towards the back end of the tournament, there was a moment. That, uh, that took place that made worldwide headlines. Um, a close friend, you know, a close friend of mine, um, Majid Hack, decided, you know, I, I believe he'd been left out of, I think it was the Australian game or Sri Lanka, Sri Lanka game, he had been left out. And um, Majid sent out a tweet um, that, you know, it's, it's public knowledge. Um, the tweet was along the lines of always difficult when you're in the minority. Hashtag race, um, and out that tweet went. Um, uh, he probably at the time, you know, didn't you know he doesn't exactly have a million followers that ended on his Twitter, but obviously things snowball affected. Um, and I wanted to talk to you about that today because from a, from a few different points of view, I want to hear your viewpoints on it and your side of the side of the story, and I also want to to hear about as a coach. You know, these, it's not always about, you know, dealing with, right, mate, you should have made 100 there and you shouldn't have got out for 70. There's other challenges um, that, that come along the way as well. So I wanted to put the ball into your court and say, you know, take me back to where you were, how you got news of this uh, and, and what took place and your thoughts. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think, look, in... in summary um first up it's just a 
you know, I feel very, very sad, you know, about the the whole uh, the whole event and and the whole um, occasion really, and feel sad, you know, for Majid, and and also feel sad for the game, uh, because Majid and I had a had a very high respect for each other, um, you know, which I'll, I'll talk more about that in a minute, but you know, feel very sad for him. Um, you know, and, and what he chose to do, yeah, not not only uh, and the reaction he chose, you know, not only in Hobart uh, at the time, but um, the stance that he chose uh, when we got back to Scotland as well. You know, I, I feel very very sad for him, and I, I'm sure at the time, um, you know, I'm positive at the time that Majid didn't, you know, intend or expect um, those actions or his stance, his choices. To have you know such a an adverse effect, if you like, uh, on himself first and foremost, uh, and an adverse effect on the team. Um, you know, it was a very challenging time for us all. You know, the, the team was shattered, uh, the staff were, were shattered. Um, it was taken out of our hands you know, straight away because ICC uh, were the first to alert me uh, to to the tweet. Um, but, you know, I'm sure Majid didn't intend, you know, to, for it to have that effect. Uh, so that's, you know, that, um, as a result, you know, that, that makes me feel sad, you know, the, that the game has lost someone like Majid, uh, who was um, not at the peak of his game, probably. He was at the, um, you know, uh, nearing the twilight of his career, maybe. Um, but um, you know, as a as a cricketer, as a coach, as a fellow off-spinner, you don't want anyone to finish their career uh, on, on such a note. So, yeah, that, that, that makes me feel sad. Um, in terms of my, my role as a coach that day, uh, I, I wouldn't do anything different. Um, and I've, I've often, um, you know, particularly you know, during the, um, the following you know, year or so, I've thought a lot about that. And you know, I, I've, I pride myself as a coach to being, you know, extremely passionate um, and probably going um, over and above the call of duty in terms of my care for, for players. You know, I care about the environment. I care for players as individuals, as people. I care about their families. And, um, you know, it, it kept me awake at, at night, you know, um, thinking about, um, you know, the consequences for Majid, you know, uh, first and foremost, because... As a, when I came to Scotland, you know, I knew, um, of course, knew about Majid and, and had seen him play. And as a fellow off-spinner, um, we had a lot in common. You know, we had, we had a lot of, you know, wonderful conversations. You know, like I was saying today, you know, we uh, are you know, um, very privileged at the moment to daily have conversations with uh, Waka Yunus and um, Muhammad Yusuf and Takwe Mushtaq. And I really enjoyed those conversations with Majid as well. And we're... You know, it was often around challenging him to be more aggressive with his bowling. You know, mm -hmm. He's a wonderful bowler. He's got wonderful um, control of his flight. You know, um, he seemingly bowls slow, but he, he's, he's got so much on the ball and so much overspin. He, he, he's got a wonderful ability to drop the ball. Mm -hmm. And um, I know I've run past a few over the uh, a few through the years. He's, I mean, that <laughs> that twenty-four yarder is a very frustrating ball. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a wonderful ball. Um, so yeah, we had a lot in common and a lot of um, yeah, a lot of great conversations where 
I would I would try and challenge him to bring his game more to our thinking of wanting to be attacking. Um, and you know, part of attacking was uh, our philosophy of aggression to take wickets. The the best way to contain a team moving forward, coming out of the World Cup, and learning what we learned um, even before the World Cup, we we knew that we we couldn't just sit back and have a victory come on our laps. We had to go get it. We had to bowl sides out, and at times that meant um, you know we had to have attacking field and. Um, that was something that uh, Majid wasn't overly comfortable with. So, I can imagine. <laughs> we had some. He likes his he likes his economy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you know, we had some good conversations around that. But you know, outside of the game too, you know, we we had some wonderful meals together. You know, he he um, you know, of course at the time, you know, I wasn't to know that I was going to come into uh, work for Pakistan. But you know, um, he he taught me a lot about the Muslim culture. You know, we we don't. Uh, yeah, we don't have a. Um, well, I don't know, you know the exact numbers, but we don't have a huge Pakistani um, community in New Zealand. So, um, I, I you know, there's a strong Indian, big, large Indian community in New Zealand, but not so much Pakistan. So it was wonderful to me, for me, to to learn a bit more about the culture, respect the culture, understand, um, you know, what what that meant in terms of um, Fridays and trainings and. Uh, Fridays in particular, and um, and just cultural aspects. So he taught me a lot about that, as did Safi, and um, also squash. You know, we shared a love for squash, and um, until um, yeah, he, I didn't let on actually. I didn't let on that I played a bit of representative squash. So he was quite confident at squash. I bet he was. <laughs> I, I, I just I just let him uh, I just let him think that yeah, I'd, I was just quite keen for a bit of a hit, and then I cleaned him up. <laughs> and uh, uh, he didn't ask me again. <laughs> but um, yeah, those those were cool occasions because you know, from a coach player perspective, and developing those strong relationships and and having that respect for each other, you know, those those moments were treasured and those moments were really important. So anyway, bringing back to Hobart, um, we arrived in Hobart after the loss we talked about, where Kyle got 156 against Bangladesh. We arrived in Aussie knowing that we couldn't go any further in the competition. Mm -hmm. now, during that year of 2015, Michael Leask had bowled out of his skin. He'd got more wickets and at a better economy rate than, than Mudgett. Uh, he was earning his stripes quickly and uh, was coming into his own in terms of um, you know, clearly being an asset in all three departments of the game, you know, with uh, fielding, bowling and, and potentially batting too. So. Uh, I uh, decided with, with the uh, captain and, and uh, coaches that we needed to make a change in, in Hobart and it was time to give Leesky an opportunity. We had, I had spoken to Majid before the World Cup and said, look, um, I don't want you to be wondering, um, am I going to play? Because he knew that Leesky was coming too. He knew that Leesky was bowling well. But I wanted to give that assurance to Majid at the start of the World Cup. Look, you are our, our key spinner. We're going to look to you to win us games in the World Cup, and you will get that first opportunity. So, and I like to give all that um, clarity to my players. And and Leski too. Leski knew that he was uh, on the bench, but he was um, supporting Madge, and he was there if if any injuries occurred or we needed two spinners. Leski would come in, but he knew that he wasn't going to play that that first part of the World Cup. When it got to Hobart, we couldn't go any further in the tournament. It was time to give Michael a game. And it was time to make make changes in the team. Now, 
my um, philosophy is as a coach uh, is to have uh, deep respect for the players and this comes from being 12th man a lot as a player myself and not being told in the right way or not being communicated at, at, at all um, but my philosophy is to uh, have those conversations with the player uh, as soon as I uh, am firm that you know this is going to be a change and generally that is the day before the game and I always like to give that message the day before so that we arrive on the day the 11 know what their role is whether they're playing or not there's none of this coming into a huddle and then naming the team um, all the players are clear yep I'm in this is my role or I'm not on the team and I can be annoyed and pissed off with the, the coach and I can have those conversations the night before but I'm going to get over that and when it comes to the day I'm going to give my all to the team because that's what it's about so that's my philosophy anyway so of course I gave Mudge the same respect that I would give any player and I pulled him downstairs at the hotel and, and uh, for a coffee and we had a, a good conversation about uh, just you know where he was at and uh, what his performances were uh, leading into uh, this you know, this leg of the of the tournament, if you like, and the fact that we were going to play Michael because he had earned that right, and it was time to give him that opportunity. So, of course, you know, Mudgett wasn't um, you know overly happy with that decision, and I, as a coach, you never expect that to be the case. Uh, I always like, um, and this is probably another example of um, this reaffirming this for me as a coach and the learning from me out of this as well that I should never have the selection conversation and the performance conversation in one conversation which I did with Majid um, because I felt that I needed to give him that um, first up you're not playing Majid Michael's playing these are the reasons so that, that was very clear but secondly, we had a conversation where I tried to inspire uh, Maju to uh, change his thinking if he wanted to be part of the team going forward, that we wanted a more attacking Maju, and he had that in him, and he wants you to be more attacking with your fielding, uh, field placing. He wants you to be more attacking in your thinking to bowl teams out. He wants you to be more aggressive with your batting. Don't play for yourself and a not out. Uh, play for the situation you know and we want I tried to inspire him with that and to give him the inspiration that he still had a lot to offer Scotland if he chose you know to to, to make a change which was never too late because you know, you know, they were the same conversation type of conversations that I'd had with um, Byron mm -hmm. uh, so I had those both conversations in one which ended up being two longer conversations uh, so and I know as a player that, and I respect now that that was a big thing for Mudgett to be dropped out of the team. So um, when I told him, you're not going to be playing, that was probably all that was needed in that conversation. And then as a coach, I've learned now to open the opportunity. Look, I know you're going to be disappointed with that. I'm going to let you think about that and digest that. But I'm also going to catch up with you later on this evening or tomorrow morning, whenever it may be. And then we can have a performance conversation so I can assist you to see how you can get back into the team. So that that's kind of my learning from the, um, you know, from that experience too. And it was kind of a reminder for me because I, I already knew that, but um, I don't know, it just kind of morphed into 
a respect and badger that I that I needed to have both of those conversations. So it, it's turned into about a you know 45 minute 50 minute conversation that we had, and then unfortunately you know he he put that uh, tweet out, which then kind of took things out of our hands. You know it's um, the ICC uh, certainly jumped on us, um, and uh, then it was uh, as a coach it was out of my hands. It was there was. Um, our chairman at the time, Keith Oliver, was there on tour, uh, and our board member was on on tour as well. And uh, so then it was left to the executive to to make decisions on on what now. So, uh, as I said right at the start, you know, um, what I feel uh, in in reflection is just great sadness, really, sadness. You know, that someone who I who I've got you know huge respect for uh, as a player and a person. Um, you know, to see what's happened as a uh, result of, of one act, um, you know, is, is very sad. So, yeah, that's, um, I hope that's not too long-winded, but it gives you no, a bit of... No, 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 I, I think it's, um, I think it was, uh, you were very honest, Grant, and, um, you know, you, you it, 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 is, it is sad. I agree with you. It's sad. Um, you know, Majid is a, is a good friend and, it's, 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 you know, it's great to have got the chance to, to speak to you because, um, you know, I, I maybe at the time had my nose a little bit out of joint, feeling a bit hard. You know, a friend of mine has been, you know, it sounds like he's having a tough time. And, and, and you know, this, you've, 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 you've been so honest there by saying that, you know, maybe I shouldn't have had that conversation in that way. And you're, you've evolved as a, as, as a coach. And I think that's, that's what's needed as a coach. You need to hold yourself accountable, and you've developed, you've evolved in that as well. And I think that's 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 great to hear. You might have heard the Magic podcast. You know, he also spoke of how maybe he, he should have done things differently. Um, and I would like to just put on record and say, you know, there's still obviously there's mutual respect there. You've had some great times. It's great to hear that you whipped Magic at squash because Magic whips me at badminton, even though I always believe I can beat him, he just always beats me, and it's so frustrating. So it's good to hear that he got a taste of his own medicine, and, and you know, maybe one day, maybe one day if you're back over here, maybe you two should get together for a game of squash. Life is too short, and uh, maybe imagine if you fancy it, you can challenge it, challenge, but I don't advise it. Sounds like you've, he's got you covered in that department. Um, yeah, I conveniently uh, didn't mention the fact that he did whip me at badminton. Oh, badminton, yeah, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a steady badminton player, no, 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 no doubt about it. Look, that was, that, was, um, that, was, that, was, that was great to listen to, Grant, and I appreciate your honesty on the matter. Um, you know, some people avoid having these types of conversations, and you are, you, you've, you've been, you, you know, very transparent on everything, and that's, that, that's awesome. That led in, then, to, you know, you came back disappointing campaign we've talked we've spoke about it there were some great things that happened but unfortunately we didn't get over the line when we really could have probably won I think potentially three games Afghanistan England and I really believe if we if, if Richie and Machen had gone on that day against New Zealand you would have got uh got to have some bragging rights over your over your countrymen for for a while to come wasn't to be but we moved on you know and you, and you continued in your role um, lots have happened in between, but but what really obviously cheers all us Scots up, and you know we will hold on to it for for a long time yet. Um, I mean, I certainly like to remind a lot of my English friends. Um, that, but by the way, when they say, oh, "Do they play cricket in Scotland?" I say, "Well, actually, you might want to check your records, mate, because last time we met on the cricket field, we turned you boys over." 
that you know that day, that famous day at Edinburgh, one, it didn't rain. Two, the sun was beating down on the Grange. Three, it was a packed house, which you take now and just think, wow, you can't even get people into a ground to watch a game of cricket right now or any sport. So how lucky a day that was for Scottish cricket. But, I mean, I've already spoke to Kyle. I've spoke to George Mundy in the podcast. I've spoke to Callum McLeod. And all three of them said that it wasn't just the lead-up to that game. It was in the planning for 12 months, you know. We, we, we had set our goals and we, we knew where we were where we were headed. And you as coach, obviously, you know, talk to me about your, your influence and your mindset leading up to such a game. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's a great intro into, um, you know, a historical moment that uh, no one will ever be able to take that away from any Scotsman, you know. And, and no chance. That's how I feel about it. You know, is I was, uh, I feel extremely privileged to be part of that day. And, um, you know, I had the, on the day, I had the easy part of just, um, just sitting in the tent and I've never felt as comfortable and confident as uh, ever before uh, in uh, our guys um, performing on the day. And uh, I just had a great feeling. And I, I remember telling the staff about that, you know, just relax, you know, I think, you know, today's going to be a day. Uh, it's a day for the players. And I just felt that everything had come together and um, I was so pleased, you know, just quickly backtracking a little bit, I was so pleased that Safi would always, would always live in history as well. And um, uh, I, I always, now, as I've um, been traveling around playing with uh, Pakistan, I've seen um, Mariah uh, Rasmus uh, quite a bit. And I always go up to him and give him a hug and, and tell everyone he's my favorite umpire because it's, it's such a beautiful um, picture of Safi, you know, going off to the mate, to his mates and, um, and Mariah, you know, raising his finger uh, and, you know, so uh, proud and, um, you know, honored, you know, to be part of that team, but also, you know, to see Safi, um, who will always be remembered in that um, moment is so cool too, because, you know, looking back, um, I don't have many regrets as a as a coach. Um, and at the time, you know, I don't, I don't even think, you know, at the time it was still the right decision. You know, um, but I look back at that decision not to play Safi in the World Cup, and I think, you know, that that I wish I had that opportunity again, uh -huh. um, because while I stand by the fact that I didn't think Safi had quite earned his earned his place in the team at that point. Um, you know, I, I looked at, uh, I look now at perhaps some of his competitors who who were um, chosen ahead of him. You know, and here's, here's a young guy who is going to be the future of Scottish cricket. So, you know, that, that's a great learning for me too, that, um, you know, to see, you know, huge respect for Sapiana and the way that he took that news not to be playing in the World Cup, which was a bitter blow uh, that, that essentially I dealt him. Um, and, but to see his reaction, you know, uh, in the following years and the way that he just took that upon himself to go, right, I am going to get better and I am going to improve and I'm going to, you know, whether it be showing me or show everyone that I deserve to be in this team. And for him to be the, um, 
the picture postcard of that victory, I think, is so fitting. You know, so uh, I'm I'm really really pleased for that. But no worries. So um, it really got to uh, 2016. I mean, I I took on the role in June 2014, but it uh, it pretty much took two years to to really get an understanding of where the where the group were at. Um, to go through enough experiences with, with the group uh, for us all to go through experiences of the World Cup, also the T20 World Cup in India, and to go through a number of experiences, particularly those two World Cups, to then come home and for us all to understand, okay, there's the, there's the bar. That's the bar of world cricket. We've seen it, we've felt it, uh, we've competed in it. We know we've seen it, we've seen the level, but we haven't crossed over that, that line yet. And that was, um, that was so valuable uh, despite not winning uh, in, uh, in New Zealand. It was so valuable for everyone you know, to have seen that, that bar. But then we, got, uh, we came out of the 2016 uh, T20 World Cup in India. And I remember the day after, before we flew home, Andy Tennant and I were just uh, sitting around and we had a few hours to kill and we were just chewing the fat and um, we, both, we both had the same idea that we need to actually go a different direction and we need to, you know, um, we need to bring to life uh, and expose this uh, acceptance of coming second and we're not prepared to, um, to, you know, to go this way and we're not prepared to, you know, we're, we're both in a privileged role to serve uh, Scotland and we both want to make a difference and we know it's staring us in the face that we've got to expose this. We, we need to go a different direction. So when we got home, um, it was another month before the team came back together and we played in uh, Dundee. And I remember it distinctly. We had a, 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 a pivotal meeting for Scottish cricket in a hotel, an old hotel. I can't remember the name of it, but it was an old banger of a hotel in uh, Dundee. And I presented to the guys 11 different examples of almost victories. And um, the West Indies game leading into the World Cup where uh, we scored 302 and got, got run down. Um, the England game, the, the, the Bangladesh game, the Afghanistan game were all in there. But there was 11 times that I'd been involved with where the door of victory was there and we didn't go through it. And we had not the confidence or knowledge how to go through it. So um, I depicted it in a way that um, I'll share these with you uh, after this. You know, so yeah, yeah, please do. And you might be able to put them in your podcast. But um, I did a little presentation where we we're in this uh, bus, this Cricket Scotland bus, and we we're traveling on the M8, and we we're just traveling sweetly. And I said, look, look around you. There's some amazing players here. If we want to just go to World Cups uh, and have some victories. We're going to win some games because look around you, there's some great players here. But I said, if we truly want to achieve the goals that we, Cricket Scotland, have set, and that is to become uh, a top 12 team in the world, become a full member, uh, we are going to need to go on an A road. We're going to need to go a different way. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are going to need to challenge this, this acceptance of, of coming second. And it was a it was a real pivotal meeting because I, I sense for the first time, I think I spoke and then I think uh, Kyle and Preston spoke, and I just looked around and, and I saw that there was real acceptance 
real honesty that I'd never before sensed with, a, with our group. And one of the things that, that pissed us off was that players would come and go out of the environment, particularly county players, uh, would come and go without any um, accountability of actually doing the job for Scotland. And there was always, oh, well, yeah, I've got to get back to the county game, or, yeah, I'm needed back, or I can't even, I can't make this game that I can make the World Cup, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I just said to the guys, look, our depth is such now that there's no guarantees into this team. The team will be selected in a new way. It'll be a selection on winning performances. And, and that means uh, we're no longer looking at runs, wickets, averages, or who looks good, or who's promising. We're actually looking at who changes the game for Scotland in our favour. And so we started this thing about you know, embracing winning performance and what it looks like. So we then you know, would have a roll of honour going out every month and every game, even club game, rep game, international game, county game, was on this roll of honour where we highlighted everyone's performance, whether it was a winning performance or a significant contribution. So guys come to accept and understand what was a winning performance, what did it look like. We started using this language in our training uh, and it, it drastically transformed things. Uh, we also introduced um, a, a new aggressive style of play. We agreed that uh, we, we can't be timid. We must use our skills. We've got skills. We're not bringing them to the table, so we must use them. And that was the pivotal thing. Uh, it was quite a challenging thing that we brought in as well at the same time. We brought in a, a review system. So a little peer review system took 20 minutes. And we gave this a lot of thought because even the guys that had to go back to county scene after a game, they were uh, made, um, we, we sometimes did this remotely on WhatsApp, a little review system where they were accountable for their performance and they were accountable for their preparation to the game. They were, they were accountable for their dismissal, uh, their winning performance, significant contribution was then being assessed and measured by their peers, not by us coaches, by their peers. So all of a sudden, in small groups, uh, the, the guys were challenged. They're challenging each other. And that was an amazing uh, little gem that we brought in as staff because very quickly, the staff stood back and the guys would run this uh, process themselves. And we used it for about a year and a half after, after that meeting in 2016 until we actually didn't need to have it anymore because the guys themselves were, the language was changing. And we had Richie challenging Kyle. We had uh, Callum challenging Crossy. You know, we had them, had the guys actually openly challenging each other for the good of the team. And mm-hmm. there was new language in the team. There was new desperation. There was a new energy. And Con Belanger was a, a massive part of that. Um, yeah, he was, uh, when you've got um, human beings like, you know, Kondalanga, Krishna Momsen, Kyle Kutcher leading this as well, then I sowed the seed, but they bought into it. They bought into it, and they saw how this could really drastically change our approach to the game. Now, as it transpired, you know, as, as we all know, we went to uh, Zimbabwe, and, um, you know, there was, there was uh, moments in that tournament that cost Cricket Scotland a million pounds, uh, well, sorry, a million US dollars. And more importantly, it cost Cricket Scotland a place in last year's World Cup. 
Mm -hmm. uh, so some of those moments were ITC's decision not to have um, uh, reserve days and ICC's decision not to have um, DRS uh, review sessions. And we all know those moments. And there was also a third um, freak of nature, if you like. There was one hour of downpour in the West Indies game uh, that almost, you know, came from the gods and said, no way, West Indies are going to be in this World Cup. And, and, and boof, you know, the, the, the water that came down that day was, um, you know, I've never seen water like it. And, you know, to see the emotion in the team and just our hopes and dreams disappear in that downpour was, uh, you know, something I think that all of us in that dressing room will never, ever forget. And, you know, uh, we're all open enough and, and big and ugly enough to admit that there was a lot of tears uh, that day, um, that moment when we heard the West Indies next door, you know, roar out a massive cheer that they had been, uh, they'd been granted the game and, and made the World Cup and, and we witnessed it. Um, but the critical thing, coming out of that disappointment of Zimbabwe um, and, you know, throughout this six-month period, we all also experienced the devastation of, um, of, of Pondalanga's um, diagnosis and his, his news as well, which I'd like to talk about separately. But coming out of Zimbabwe, um, we had a choice. And I said to the guys in a survey on the way home, I said, we can choose the expected way to arrive back to Scotland and accept all the pity and all the sorrow about the rain and the DRS and Balboony should have been out and Ricky was not out and, and all this. But that ain't going to help us. I said to the guys very clearly that the reason we didn't win that game is because we chose at a critical moment when Chris Gale was bowling and Ashwin Nurse was bowling, we chose to go back into our shell, which we hadn't done all tournament and all the last six months. We'd played so aggressively. We'd taken the game to the opposition so well that we were, we were winning games. We weren't waiting for teams to lose it. We were winning games. And for that moment of 16 overs, where we scored 42 runs for the fourth wicket, that's what I look back on. And mm -hmm. unfortunately, there were two of our most experienced players at the wicket at the time, and Callum and Ricky, who felt the pressure and closed up. You know, Ricky, as we know, could put Chris Gale into the stands any day. Mm -hmm. Callum, as we know, can reverse sweep and sweep uh, anyone out of the park, as he did uh, 12 weeks later uh, mm -hmm. in, uh, in the Grange. So coming out of the Zimbabwe game and having the guys embrace that, and it wasn't a criticism directed uh, at Richie and Callum solely. It was directed at the team because the team, we agreed that we're going to take the game on. And we've done that beautifully against Afghanistan, first game, to see Callum McLeod taking down the number one bowler in the world, Rusty Khan, destroying him. And you know, that was a great example. And just at that moment, we didn't do it. So we agreed that when we come back for this series against England in 12 weeks' time, we ain't going to accept pity. We ain't going to blame the weather or, or blame uh, umpiring or blame ICC. We're going to get better. 
you know, we are going to stick to what we know has been working for us for a year and a half, and we are going to be aggressive against England. And, you know, when we came together that day before, um, sorry, two days before we come together, as you know, you know, you don't get a week to prepare uh, in an associate world. You only get two days. And myself and the staff, we agreed that we don't need to train. You know, look, we've been playing um, domestic, domestic cricket and we've been playing club cricket. I know it's not international cricket. England will claim that they were underdone and it was the start of their season, but we hadn't played since Zim. We haven't mm -hmm. played for three months. Yeah. We haven't played a, a decent game of cricket. So, but I had that much confidence in the way the guys had accepted that review uh, and the, the comments that came back from individuals about, yeah, no, accepted, let's focus on that, not, not every other excuse. And we had that much confidence that we dumped our gear in, uh, at the ground. I said to the guys, all right, let's go. And we went into, um, uh, in, into the woods. We went and did the treetop climbing together uh, for a day, uh, put the guys out of their comfort zone. And then we had a wonderful evening together at um, the Dunblane Hydro. Um, you know, yep. what a... What a what building. Scottish building. And, you know, I remember... Um, you know, we had a wonderful meal together. We just shared some time together because we hadn't been together for three months. It was wonderful to get back together and just, just gel. And then the next morning before we went um, to train, we just had a chat. And it was a very small chat, I remember, that um, I just said to the guys, I said, if not now, when? And if not who, why not you? You know, so I just said to them, I said, look, England will be beaten one day by, by Scotland. That will happen. Look around you. You know, if not you, why not? If not now, when? So that was pretty much all that was needed to be said. And, you know, we, we just had such a, a feeling from that moment we came together. Um, and there was a feeling... I think there was a strength that Con left us as well. You know, Con, Con gave us that strength. You know, um, uh, he wasn't in as part of the group at that stage. You know, he was he was battling his illness, and you know, but there was still such a huge, huge respect for for him as a human, and and uh, so much respect for for Claire and the kids as well. And what Con had given us, you know, and the way that he embraced everything from that moment in Dundee. When we all agreed that we're going to go a different direction and he was one of the leaders of that and he was such a wonderful ally to kyle um as a as a vice captain um you know i'd go as far to say that that we wouldn't have beaten england without con you know and and the impact that he made even though he wasn't there on the day you know so um it, it was that powerful and you know on the on the day you know we'd, we'd also at, at the hydro, you know, I, I, I thought to myself, um, you know, there's no one else in Scotland who's beaten England in two sports. But my golf buddy, Duncan Hodge, has. You know, he's, he's beaten England single-handedly. Yeah. So if anyone knows how to beat England, it's him. Mm -hmm. So I said, I said to Hodgie when we were playing golf, I said, mate, how would you like to be in the strip on the bench against England again? He said, yeah. what do you mean? I said, mate, I want to put you in the shirt. I want you on the bench. 
don't worry, you're not going to be on the playing list. But <laughs> anyone knows how to beat England, it's you. So when there's gloves to be run and waters to be run, how inspiring is it for the guys when they're in a battle against England to have you running out? Not, you don't have to give them any coaching methods. Let's just give them a pat. Oh, you got this. You got this. Come on, we can beat these guys. I've done it before. And it was so cool for Hodgie. You know, he arrived on a quick bike from home in the morning. And uh, just, you know, we gave him his, his shirt, welcomed him into the group. And he played a massive part in that day as well. You know, it was, it was wonderful to see him, you know, running on. I'm sure, you know, England had, you know, probably initially had no idea who he was. Um, he's just got Hodge on the list. And, uh, you know, that, that, that was so cool. And, um, look, you know, as they say, the rest is history. And I just feel incredibly privileged to be part of the whole four and a half years, not just that game. Um, as I said to you, I just had so much confidence in the guys because of what we'd come out of, what we had experienced uh, together as a group um, with Tom, uh, what we'd experienced as a group in Zimbabwe especially, and the, the, the bitterness um, that resulted from that but the honesty and acceptance that resulted from that um, just gave me and the group, I think, just a powerful, powerful uh, sense that today was the day. And um, it was, you know, it was no surprise to me to, to see us go and play with such freedom uh, in the way we did. And then, you know, I know it was a close game, but it didn't feel like it that like it for me. I was... I, I turned around and I saw Tobes was, you know, biting his nails, he's up and down, and, and everyone was. But for some reason, even as, you know, they got close, I, I just had confidence in the guys. Mm -hmm. And I just watched, you know, there were so many amazing skills in that day. And, of course, Callum, rightly so, takes full credit for the way he expresses skills, you know. And we know when he does, there's no attack in the world that can hold him back. Uh, the way that George played, the way that everyone played. But some well, of the... Kale and, and Crossy. About, you know, he didn't... His figures, um, I'm not even sure off the top of my head, but I don't think they were great on the day, but just shows you he came back and nailed a Yorker, uh, perfect Yorker, right, at, in, the, in the closing moments. But our fielding, you know... Oh, wow. Toby Bailey, Toby Bailey, you know, uh, there's so much respect for him as a coach. Uh, and a person, you know, we, uh, again, in, in 2016, another drastic change we made. I, I challenged Tobes, I said, we're not fit enough to do the things that we need to do in fielding. We need to get fitter, we need to get better. And we hatched a plan of simple things, and Toby took that, and in his own way, he brought about some, some consistency in the way we fielded uh, over the next two years to a point on that day we would not have won without those taken breaks uh, from Michael and Wattie um, and, you know, and, and Sappy, sorry, uh, you know, that, that throw from Lisby, the throw from Wattie, the taken breaks um, were executed supremely, you know, on the day. And um, Mark Watts, another one, Grant, his bowling performance in that game, yeah. the, the bravery he showed because Bearstow was, was hitting it all over all over the park. I mean, at one point, it looked like I was thinking England might just stroll this. 
but the character that was shown in the middle overs and fighting towards the end, it just everything that you've said today and everything you've spoke about, but Mark Watt was, for such a young lad on that stage, showed so much maturity. Yeah, look, I, 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 um, yeah, I've got a lot of respect for Watty too. You know, he's, um, he's got a very different bowling style, which, you know, we embrace and he embraces. And, um, you know, I, I hope that he, he really appreciates that his time is now too. You know, like he, he has uh, some wonderful opportunities to be uh, one of the leading lights for Scotland for the next 10 years if he wants. You know, he's, he's part of that next generation that has had now some golden experiences that no one can take away from him. Um, he's got a partner now as well. He's got a buddy. He's got another left-arm spinner buddy now, Hamza, Hamza Tahir, who's coming through. And I think they're going to form a, form a good partnership. Yeah, brilliant. I, I love the way Hamza bowls too. You know, he's, he's very skillful, isn't he? Very, very skillful. And, um, yeah, he dances up to the crease, doesn't he? He's uh, got that. <laughs> I love it, but he, yeah, he's very skillful in his release, and yeah, a lot of a lot of respect for his um, his ability. Listen, it was a it's a day that will live on. I still find myself pinging the highlights on sometimes, just to relive the relive the moments. I watched the game home alone that day, and I've never felt so many emotions. I felt like you know I was up, I was down, I was out in the back garden, I was not, I was I was all over the place. But to get over the line, I think um, you know. For all the hard work that you put in as a coach as well, your team, you know, it's been fascinating, really, really fascinating. I knew you were, I knew the man behind the victory. Um, I, I knew you must have, I mean, I've spoken to all the boys and they've all spoken very highly of you. Um, and I think, I'll put, and I've said this many a times, I think when you came into the role, and I'm really happy that Andy Tennant took the, gave you that opportunity, I think you changed the mindset, you know, of, oh, let's just try and compete. Let, let's try and get 250 and let's put them in a bit of a game and at least let the scorecard look good. That nonsense, if you want to change things, I mean, Ireland cricket had already shown it. Adrian Birrow had, had led them to, to to some famous victories at World Cups. And I think um, you certainly have shifted that mindset. I think the guy who's come in now, Shane Berger, who I've had on the podcast as well, he's got a really ambitious mindset. He's not here to want to come second best either. So I think if he takes on from where you've led off, unfortunately, due to the virus and et cetera, it's, it's, um, it's, it's slowed things up for everybody. But I'm excited to see where he goes. It's great that you still have such a, a keen interest in, in what's happening over in Scotland. And that just leads us into, I mean, we've, we've, we've covered so much. I'm not going to talk to you too much about the Pakistan role because I think we've, we've covered it quite, quite a lot. We've spoken about what you're doing in Pakistan. You initially took the fielding coach role um, which we're very successful with. You work with Mickey Arthur. Um, you're now close working with the Miss Bow Hack and, and, and all the rest of your team. Um, I hope we can continue building relations. I would love to, to do some stuff with you further down the line. Um, but I just want to say, honestly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you ever so much. You know, you, have, you've, uh, you truly have given me unbelievable insight, you know, to see the National Academy and to hear your your insight into the Grant Bradburn journey and, and in particular the Scottish journey, I'll be forever grateful and I think people are going to absolutely love listening to this. I'll go now on record again and say probably my favourite podcast. You've had me absolutely... I don't. I normally talk too much, Grant. I've, I've been more than happy to yeah. sit comfy in my seat and listen to you chat away. Uh, 
I bet you said that to everyone. No, no, no. The, it's, and, I'll, and I'll put I'll put the tweet on record. I'm going to be I'm going to be very transparent. It's been um, it's not that all my other guests have not been great. It's just getting into the mindset and to hear from a, a high end, top performing coach. I've not really been able to get that insight. You know, Shane Berger was really good and it was great to listen to him. But he's young in the job and he's got a lot of lot of journey to go on yet and it'll be fascinating to, to talk to him again maybe in 10 years time but you've been through some real you know done the world cups you've been the different you know come from new zealand gone different cultural changes family moving around it's been fascinating to listen to really so i'm not lying to you grant i don't say that to everybody uh, thank you jackie and it's been a yeah, wonderful privilege to um just to reminisce a little bit and and just to you know refresh those strong memories and, um, you know, treasured memories of uh, working with Cricket Scotland. And, you know, it, it, it honestly has been a, a life-changing experience for, for us all. And I feel incredibly privileged to have served uh, Scotland in some way for uh, four and a half years and feel very, very proud uh, of, uh, of the people that were uh, surrounding us at that time, you know, to all the folk in Cricket Scotland, uh, the fans who you can never, never um, have that day taken away from you. And it was such a nice fitting uh, way to, to sort of draw to a close my time uh, with Scotland, you know, to, um, to see Scotland uh, people rewarded with that, you know, something that is so historic and will never be taken away as much as uh, England will make out that it was a, uh, it wasn't truly a series or they were um, blindsided or underdone or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Um, they, well, I had a deal. I had a deal Rashid on the podcast and he was very honest. He didn't actually make any excuses. He said, Scotland were the better team on the day. Hands up. Beautiful. Good on him because, um, you know, every everybody that was there and everyone that watched that game knows that that was an amazing game of cricket, you know. And I think it's um, even better for us. Uh, it's, it makes the victory sweeter that uh, you know we played outstandingly of course they played unbelievably as well and you know, it was such a such a contest and full credit credit to the Grange as well for putting on um, you know, the facilities that enabled uh, you know over 700 runs to be scored in, in that day and um, for everyone that was there you know um, such such fond memories and so I'm just um, you know thinking of and now sharing with you a little bit of the the story of that day in the building, you know, I'm just so um, pleased for the players and everyone that surrounded that team. You know, that's um, that's a, a treasured memory that we will all have, and I know that that um, will always be remembered. You know, as something very, very special uh, in our lives, and uh, I think in a lot of ways uh, too. You know, that's uh, that's the time, and uh, you know, we all um, miss it incredibly. Yeah, that's um, that's awesome. I think um, I believe you know. Spoke speaking to so many of the boys that you know. I think he was with you and with you in spirit in that in that in that changing room that day. And you know, some of the things that the boys continue to do for Con. I mean, the cycle that Craig Wallace, Ali Evans, um, his dear, uh, his dear, his dear, you know, Claire. She 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 just ran a marathon. Um, well, you know, it's 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 wonderful to hear that his his memory is is living on and I think the boys will, will keep him with them at all, all times and my, my thoughts and prayers are with the with his with his part with his partner and their children and, and I'm sure they'll be proud of everything 
you know, that their that their dad done, and I, I think it's 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 awesome that you 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 know you he was with you. I think he was with you. I think he had you had it's clear to see he had gone gone with you that day, and I, that's that's very touching. But thanks again, Grant. Stay on the line for one second, and and I really appreciate this today. Thank you, thank you. Shukriya. Shukriya, sir.